Hello, and welcome to the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, certified professional coach and owner of Vitality Career Coaching. I am excited to introduce my guest today, Montrese Hardy. She is a phenomenal individual who I met through the uh, American Foundation for the Blind, uh, Blind Leaders Development Program. And she and I have a shared commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and we certainly bonded over that. And she's just a phenomenal person. And I would like to introduce the audience to Montrese Hardy. Welcome. Thank you, Ken. Hi, everyone. I'm hoping you could tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself, maybe how disability affects you on a day-to-day basis. Whatever you want to say about your disability is up to you, but you know, just how it affects you and how it sort of interferes on in your day-to-day life. Sure. Okay. First, I just want to say that it is a tremendous honor. Thank you so much for even having me here um, and having this conversation. As far as um, disability, I am classified as legally blind and my visual impairment, the way that I typically describe it is that I have, I normally say it as 5% of my vision in my left eye. That's a very rough way to try to describe it. Um, It's roughly 5% of my visual field that I have with no peripheral vision. Um, It is central. And in my, and that's my left eye, my right eye is, um, has no light perception at all. And twinsies. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right? Basically. (laughs) So, um, what is it? So yeah, that's pretty much it. And as far as like, how does it interrupt? <laughs> how has it interrupted my life? Oh man, um, I have had to really learn to do life differently in terms of one of the biggest challenges for me. It's interrupted my parenting. <laughs> um, that's a whole other beast of a conversation. Um, in terms of like. Washing dishes, for example, dishwashing is different for me because I have to be a lot more careful and feel a lot around. I'm one of those people who, despite having a dishwasher, I still wash dishes by hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you too, huh? <laughs> and um, and so I still feel around after scrubbing the dish with all the elbow grease. I still also feel around and make sure that I got everything off as best I possibly can. So that's just one way that it's interrupted, like my daily. In terms of my parents and getting back to that I my kids are getting to the age where this is where I would normally be the parent taxi but because I cannot drive I literally have to order them ubers (laughs) all the time um and and order myself ubers to get them everywhere and the expense of that is insane so that is how it has changed that part of my parenting and life did I answer that question yeah of course yeah yeah I I was having a conversation just the other day with somebody about about Ubers and it's uh, I could talk all day long about them. They're great, <laughs> but at the same time, unless it's your lived experience where you have to rel- where you can't drive, it's it's a it's a whole other world out there. I tell people that all the time. Yes, and and just you know the planning that goes in that you have no. to have, and it's just me. It's just me for myself. I can't imagine it with children. Um, oh, I can't even goodness. imagine because I know how difficult it is just for me and I have a partner, right? So it's yes. like, you know, grocery shopping, you know, all yeah. of this, all of the basic stuff is that much more difficult, right? 
and it takes time and it's just exhausting and it's I don't think I'll ever get full be, be completely adjusted to it so how about with children and and all of that logistics how do you how do you handle that how do you deal with that what sort of system do you have just to so it is manageable so I think that I I am a faith-based person. So every once in a while, you may hear me throw God in there because it's just, it's part of who I am. And I think with me going through this, God created me to be a person who loves the systems. (laughs) Like like I'm a person who I absolutely love all things about planning, especially logistical planning, operations, all of that. And because of that really, um, really strong trait on my part, I am inclined to think, uh, like really, really try to think ahead. Here is an example. When I'm preparing for back to school with my kids, I, me and my sister, we went to the school ahead of time. And so for me, I'm walking and I'm thinking, okay, this has a lot of cracks. How many steps is this? Um, just in case, in the worst case scenario, what does it look like for me to come up here for the kids? Mm-hmm. Um, having my sister talk to me out loud about what do you see in this space? and All of those things. Um, and then I have to be able to describe you know, make this left here, don't make this right here. And you'll see this on the corner and all of that. You know why? Because I have 15 people on my pickup list. (laughs) Like I have the most insane pickup list for my kids. Most people tend to have, and what what I'm talking about is when your kids are, especially in elementary, maybe even middle school, um, you have a list of who's going to ever pick up and drop off the kids from school right so that you know the school knows they know how to identify and all of that those people get different tags or at least they have their names and they can look at their licenses and so on yeah there's like three spaces there and my mind is always overflowing because I have to have a backup plan for a backup plan for a backup plan in case someone can't make it yeah and now Thanks to the wonders of technology, um, there is this service, and I don't mean to like be a commercial for anybody, but people need to know about this, uh-huh. blind or not. <laughs> uh, there's this service called Hop, Skip, Drive. There are other services that are very similar. It is something like Uber for kids, but it is basically with daycare, like well-researched, very well background checked. We're talking FBI level background checked nannies that are hired. They have a whole uniform, everything, and they are hired very specifically for transporting children. Okay. One of yeah, it's super cool, especially because you can write it off at the end of the year. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's super neat. But when I order a hop skip drive driver to pick up not one but two of my kids from two different schools. <laughs> I have to be able to give them very clear directions. Otherwise, they will be in car pickup lines, which are murderous. <laughs> they are yeah. the worst. Parents are consistently planning about car pickup lines because they're the worst. And so I have to make sure that the anybody who I ever send to pick up my kids, they have a very clear idea of what to look for. And this will give you an indication that you've gone too far. All of those things. Especially, it's insane because I haven't necessarily 100% seen it myself. It's only Mm -hmm. been described to me. Does does that kind of paint that picture? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you have to give instructions to people and it's like, you know, where I live, 
drivers always get lost because it's it, we and I always give them directions, but they don't follow them. And so mm-hmm. it's I, I can only imagine the that there's a certain amount of you know stress that that comes with that. And not only that, not only is the stress factor, but you know the extra time that it do that it takes to do the planning and all the other stuff. You know, there's yes. a cost to that, right? You know, there's a there's a cost. You know, not just in terms of you know, the stress and it's exhausting, but missed opportunities as well, you know, because there's only so many hours in a day. So right. other things, you know, have to, you know, lose out, you know, like self-care is a huge thing, right. you know, oh, or yeah. hobbies and oh, relationships, yeah. relationships suffer because we only have so much time. Right. And what is, what's your experience been like with, with all of that? Because I know for me, it's certainly, it's, it's, it, it get down on you sometimes. Yes, um, that's a good question. For me personally, <laughs> please forgive the way that this is getting ready to sound, but <laughs> I, I have almost, almost given up on building any new friendships and relationships and just meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why is just because I have noticed, like, I, I have two jobs, I have two kids. I feel like everything is hitting me in doubles at this point. And in order for me to show up and be any level of anything remotely close to 100% for any of those things at any given point, I, I really have to have clarity of mind and being concerned about getting to know new people and all of the the interesting rigmarole that comes with that <laughs> mm-hmm. um I, I i literally don't have the 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 wherewithal the capacity i don't have it like what we were just talking about with the logistics and the navigation one other thing that that takes is a tremendous amount of patience oh gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah people and, and people i have I'm saying something that other people have said about me. I would never say this about me, but other people, their experience of me is that I am extraordinarily patient. What they don't understand is that the effort that I put into not screaming at people Mm -hmm. on a daily basis just for not reading my text message or my email, it is it is such a tremendous effort that it takes for me to exude this, what appears as patience. And all of that takes away from anything that I could put into building a relationship. I actually dared to try Bumble a few months back <laughs> and I, I just, I gave it up because I realized that I did not have the capacity to pay attention to all of the the new dating things and all of that and still show up and be very present Mm -hmm. for everyone and everything else including our afb fellowship all i I couldn't i I hear you (laughs) i hear because it it is it's you know we all have a we only have so much bandwidth as i that's how i refer to it and And everything takes from that bandwidth, right? And we're living with a disability. You have the same stuff everybody, you know, everybody else in the world has to do. We have to eat. We have to do all the regular stuff. But when you have a disability, you have this added expenditure of bandwidth (laughs) in terms of time. You know, I've learned patience because I've had to. It's something that if you don't, you go crazy if you don't, because 
you know, an Uber can cancel on you and then you have to wait another 15 minutes. And if you didn't plan for that to happen, so you either show up really late or really early. (laughs) Right. 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 And then that's lost time. You know, sure, you can listen to an audiobook or, you know, there's, but it's not really productive time. And right. that's an adjustment, especially if you're used to, you know, running and operating your life in a certain way. And then you encounter disability. And you're like, er, okay, well, now you have to shift to doing it this way. And yes. that is, you know, that's its own monster to tackle. And, you know, I've had a lot of therapy. I'm very open about that. I believe in therapy. I think it's, it has gotten me through life. 100%. Um, and, and so I am a firm believer and advocate that, you know, everybody, not just if you have a disability, but everybody can benefit from everybody, whether it's through your church or what, but, you know, somebody who's a professional that's, that has the ability to be objective and, you know, is invested in the outcome. They just care and they want to help you, you know, get to a better place. We all have stuff we go through in life. We all have it. Mm -hmm. And so what is, uh, what are some of your tools to deal with the exhaustion? Not, you know, there's physical exhaustion associated with disability as well, but the mental, I think for me has personally been the most taxing. We've already touched on therapy, but what are, what are other ways that you have of just sort of dealing with it all? (laughs) You know what? This is, that is such an excellent question. You are, you're doing such a great job. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I I love that question. So um, I'll try to limit it because I have, found that I'm one of those people who I test and try things out over periods and, and see what works. And I research a lot and I do my own little trial runs with things. And so I've practiced a number of things. One for one of the first things, and I, I don't think people normally think of this in this light, but having very open I don't know if you were on our last um AFB thing was that last night it was either last night or the night before um what is it with uh with the review yeah yes the review so I'm gonna kind of repeat myself there actually a little bit the book crucial conversations was so huge for me and I believe that it is imperative to have open communication with those who we surround ourselves with Mm -hmm. especially when they're cited Um, regardless of our relationship with them, but if we have consistent interaction with them, um, it's very helpful to have open communication for the sake of peace of mind. Are are you catching my flow with that so far? And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, absolutely. So one example of this, my sister is my favorite person in the entire world, hands down. Even just a little bit more edge over my kids. (laughs) (laughs) You've known her longer. (laughs) (laughs) And because of this, Um, I know her very well and we all live together. Well, my sister is one who tends to like to do things at a a specific speed. I know that I am a a good 36 paces behind that speed most times and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And she and I have had um, some, some really good conversations about what makes me comfortable and the most beautiful thing about my wonderful sister is that she asks questions and she says things like let me know if I'm um, moving too fast let Mm -hmm. me know if I'm doing this too much or that too much am I asking you too much because I know that you want your certain amount of independence you know like she she she's consistently thinking about what my experience is Mm -hmm. but when we first started transitioning into this, she had no clue really how to have those conversations with me. 
And she also stood by and watched as I gained more confidence so that I could bring things up and have these conversations with her. Does that make sense so far? Absolutely, absolutely. So all of that helped with creating um, a space, a psychologically, um, well, I'm sorry, a psychologically safe space for um, within our home and within my my sibling relationship for us to have um, all of these different conversations about my mobility and so on and, and what makes sense for me to go different places, do different things with her, all of that. So that gives me one of the biggest pieces of mind um, from day to day. Other things that I do include reading. I am a bibliophile to my heart. Um, and it's primarily with Audible. However, I am something of a first grader when I read. So I like to read and have Audible at the same time. You too, huh? I do the same thing. I like having a physical <laughs> copy of my book. I, I, if it's yes. something that I, yeah, I always, I do the same thing. Yes. Like I love how books smell. I love mm-hmm. the, the the smell of new fresh pages. I still love the process of even though when I have my like when I'm really really paying attention to it, I notice when I go back and look at my highlights, they're all up and curved on the page. <laughs> <laughs> I use I use stick I use sticky notes. I switched over to sticky notes if there's stuff I want to go back to. But you know yes. the the physical copy of the book because I do a lot of you know I do writing and I do a lot of referencing and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, because I prepare educational materials and things like that. And I need to be able to go back and reference stuff and quote stuff and, you know, look at the actual pages and the words. Yes. And you can't yes. do that with an audiobook. It's much more, I'd have to dictate it. And that's much more difficult. And right. so, uh, you know, it's more practical for a lot of the things I do to, to have them. But I, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's normal to me <laughs> yeah no I mean we, we we're, we're 20 so I appreciate yes. that and I do use tags as well in fact I think that there's something wrong like I have to go back to a book if I don't have it like totally if I feel and if not at least 20 tags in the book I'm like oh what, what were you doing <laughs> <laughs> and I may go back and read that book so reading is a huge part of my self-care um and then um what's the other thing that I do oh music music is huge for me um I have playlists for everything I have meditative playlists sleep playlists work playlists and a a number of different types of work playlists Mm -hmm. um and so those are my my self-care things yeah (laughs) yeah I I I share I think all of them um (laughs) that's for sure you know but you know you you said something I wholeheartedly agree with and that's you know living authentically I is the only way to live but it's hard it's it's it requires allowing ourselves to be vulnerable which is difficult right Um, but then for for somebody who's been disabled their whole life it's a different lived experience um and that's worth acknowledging but when you encounter it as a you know you've lived you know as an adult there's an adjustment not just for for the person who experiences disability but for everybody in their life it's their first experience they don't know what to do either and i think that sometimes there can be an expectation and I'm not saying that there's a, this is neither good or bad. It's just an awareness that because we're the ones experiencing disability, they should just know what to do for us, but they don't know. And so I no. think we have a, if we want stuff, if we want help and we want to move through life with better ease, we have to communicate and we have to be authentic in our needs 
and mm-hmm. our boundaries, you know, that's up to us to establish that. And then of course, right. other people need to listen and pay attention and, and have that dialogue, but it's, 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 it's a give and take. It's not a one-way street. And I think that that's something that's not talked about enough. No, but, it's not. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to add something to that, what, what you were saying. I'm so, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off. No, 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 go, that, please go ahead. It's so huge what you're saying. So there's a term in the DEI work that I do, um, specifically the disability inclusion work that I do. I've been learning more about the term ableism. Uh-huh. And I, I feel like it's it's a murky it's a, I personally feel like it's a murky term. Uh, uh, but, oh yeah. Uh, that we could have a whole <laughs> conversation about that term. Trust me. Trust me on that one. Uh, I have, I have a lot of feelings about ableism. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do, but I, I, as I've been learning about it, it's, um, I've been learning what, like what it looks like and then also what it doesn't look like. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm learning how to speak to it. And then I try to name these things and have these conversations openly with those who I love, those who are immediately around me all the time, uh, my sister, but also my kids. Here's an example, because it happened tonight. My son and I were washing dishes. I was teaching him how also to use the dishwasher, but I'm also doing the hand washing uh-huh. the thing. And so there was a, um, I asked him, you know, did we get everything off of the, the, um, off the counter and out of the sink? And he used his words, he's 10 years old, and he used his words to direct um, my usable site and my hand to where there was a dish lingering in the corner in the sink. Mm-hmm. And I said, sweetheart, that was amazing that you did that. I love that you did not just come over here and just grab it for me and just hand it to me or get impatient with me. Yeah. But you patiently did this. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That was like an, an anti, it was moment, if you will. It was the, the opposite example, but it helped me understand that much more. Ableism is when you automatically make up in your mind. This is one piece of it anyway, yeah. what I'm learning you automatically make up in your mind that I, I'm not going to be able to do it and you just do it yourself without uh-huh. even trying. And you do it for doing stuff for, I tell people that all the time. It, it, I, and it's, it, it's not, ta- I mean, that's, that is, that is, I, to me, that's kind of the most extreme form of ableism is doing things for other people out of kindness. Yes. Because it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I just thought I'd do it for you. Well, I don't want you to do it for you. And so I'll share with you a little, a little history, but I have an aunt that I grew up with who was in a wheelchair her, her life, most of her life. And yes. that from a very young age that really just drilled into me how to interact and how to be around somebody who is disabled. Um, mm-hmm. My aunt would, would scold somebody if they pushed her wheelchair without her asking. Or if they did, or if they did something for her, she was very um, vocal about that, and so that instilled in me this, you know, strong sense that you don't do things for people unless they're number one in danger. Yes, you, you know that if it's a safety issue, then yes, you know, don't you know, don't do something for me for me. But if I'm about to hit something, please stop me. You know? Yes. Um, but if I don't <laughs> ask for help, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adult. I. It's my responsibility to seek out help if I need it, not to have somebody else do it for me, even if they're doing it out of kindness, because they don't understand what that does to somebody's psyche. When there's already so much you can't do, 
And then you have other things that you can do taken away from you. That is so damaging. And that's why I say it's the worst kind of ableism because it's done with good intent. That's right. I, I completely agree. So well said. Thank goodness for your aunt. She's amazing in my eyes. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she, uh, a lot of my belief, you know, it, it was very insightful just in terms of how you treat people that are different, you know, like that, that she was in a wheelchair, but she could do pretty, she could drive, she could do all, she could do more than I could do sometimes because I can't drive. Um, <laughs> and so, but, but then I wanted to touch on something that, because, because we're talking about ableism, I was having, there was a, there was an article by, by, by somebody not too long ago that really didn't sit well with me and, I, and the reason being is because it had it involved feelings and mm-hmm. it, it 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 revolved around a group of friends telling somebody else that their feelings were ableist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i really it really didn't sit well with me for a multitude of reasons because feelings are feelings and it's yes. never appropriate to tell somebody else what they should feel ever 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 and so to tell somebody that they're feeling a certain way is ableist in my view is wrong you don't ever tell somebody what they should feel or what they shouldn't feel yeah the flip side of that is because ableism is actions Mm -hmm. you know it's not feelings feelings is its own separate thing and i and what really bothered me about this one particular article is it didn't make that distinction and it kind of gave the appearance that it's okay to let people tell you how to feel mm-hmm. and that's not ne- and that's never okay so you know i i've read way too much Brene brown um yeah. <laughs> which is a, you know because it, basically in this article they're shaming their friend for feeling a certain way mm-hmm. um and i it just it really didn't sit well with me um and so i uh, thank you for bringing up ableism because it, it, it's it is a touchy subject you know I, the example that i just you know gave it it's it's not something that I think there's enough of a consensus about how to approach it. It's not. And I think it's mainly because I believe there's so much when it comes to the conversation, even about disability versus using the terms disability versus different ability. Yeah. Yeah. um, that, That there's so much language and so many words mm-hmm. that need some clarity in regards to definition yeah. <laughs> um, and context. And I don't know. I'm like, is there anyone who's doing that work? <laughs> I don't I mean, I definitely, <laughs> like, I feel like maybe there's something of a calling on me to do it just because I am infatuated with words and language. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it is something that I have started, but I'm not in any sort of program, at least right now, no doctoral or degree program or anything. Uh, There was, there are a couple of other, um, oh, they're not candidates anymore. There are a couple of people that I know who do a lot of research in our field who maybe I could partner with them on this. (laughs) But I just feel like if there was, if someone did the work, did the research, put the the uh, publication out there then maybe that would help also hopefully i could do a ted talk on this (laughs) (laughs) just yeah yeah, hey throwing it out there is good throwing it out there to the university just kind of put it out there right yeah (laughs) but But i I do believe someone needs to do that work well i agree because well the thing about the 
the the issue that sometimes come up is uh, you know historically speaking you know we, we, if it, a lot of the terms that are historically been used you know what i'll agree they you know were derogatory or handicapped for one that's oh, a, uh, that's i i view that as derogatory that's what it used to be it was <gasps> handicapped spaces no you know dis disabled is i think accurate it's the lack of the ability to do something right which is which is which is which is accurate however i can see how some people feel that it can be demeaning because it's saying well you're not capable but it's 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 I, I kind of I don't know how I feel about that. It, it's not saying someone's not capable. It's just saying that they're they lack a certain ability. But at the same time, putting things I prefer differently abled is the term that I usually go with because that is right. A, you still have to do all the same stuff. Just how you do it is different. And that I right. think that it's a it's in. I understand the people not liking the word dis which is, but, you know, heck, it's in the name of my podcast, though, but it's, it's in a different sort of context, though. Um, yes. No, I sort of was thinking there, um, <laughs> especially in terms of differently. But I just, I prefer to use empowering words yeah. towards myself and abilities and, and, and everyone. Um, however, I also do understand that we're in a space where for, for lack of a greater understanding, it's just easier for people to understand disabled as opposed yeah. to anything else at this point yeah um someone did i cannot remember where i was i almost passed out because i heard somebody say handicapped and i was like are you serious right now but at the same time i have to rem remind myself I'm like, i don't know if there's been enough um said and done where people even realize we're not saying that anymore just yeah. like we're not like we have to emphasize we're not saying the r word we're not we you know we're, we're there's so many words that we should not be saying anymore because they they are derogatory they do hurt um words matter and i'm sorry say that again but words matter you know the, yes the, they, they do they have power words can have power so they do but anyway I, i'm sorry that's a whole other soapbox <laughs> <laughs> well but but it's also it's also something that is you know worthy of of, of discussion i think you know people like to sh they don't like to and uh, you know in a general sense because they're sensitive issues and there's a lot of feelings around you know words and how they're used and how they're you know given i always i always go back to context and intent yeah. that's what yeah. i always fall back to was it meant to hurt was it meant right. to cause harm? Is this person just ignorant? What is the, how was it said? What was, how, you know, what was the inflection? What was the, right. you know, all I think, all of that matters. And I think it's so important to look at it from that picture, especially because we have an opportunity, you know, as people with the, that are, were a lot of things, but, you know, part of that being differently abled, it's an opportunity to educate somebody maybe that is just, they're not, they don't know. And Always. if we come in with Always. a chip in our shoulder, that doesn't help our cause. And oh, yeah. And, and I think that's important to, you know, even when it's not somebody else's problem, the fact that I have vision loss, it's mine. And to take it out of the people for one is never appropriate. Um, you know, ooh, okay. See, can't like, 
like we'd have to do a part two because, <laughs> because, because I feel like it is a completely other beast of a conversation to talk about our attitudes yeah. as those with disabilities or different abilities and how we have these conversations, how we attack those opportunities to um, educate, how we show up in those moments. Yeah. Like it's so huge. And I feel like we have more people, even though I understand it, I can break it down for anyone as well why someone totally popped off because yeah you moved their cane for them let me you know i could totally break down why that's very frustrating or you know just the fact that you did um as a person who was completely able-bodied and you used the word handicap like why that's frustrating and why the person responded but at the same time like we have a huge responsibility i personally believe in how we show up in those moments because they're i don't know i feel like it I feel like this for for every other social categorization of my life as well. Yeah. I don't know how or when people are going to ever experience someone um, that looks like me yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and in a similar space. And I want people to leave me feeling better, possibly more educated, maybe we'll see, um, depending on the way the conversation gets to go, but definitely feeling better better i don't want people leaving me feeling like uh and then taking it out on everybody else yeah. who may look like me or what i represent does yeah. that make sense absolutely absolutely and you know and what you're touching you know we are talking about something you and i've talked about before is it which is intersectionality um we're lots of things you know we're not just somebody who's living with a disability you're a mother you know you're a whole lot of things you know where we and it's something that is critically important to remember it's because uh, I'm not a fan of labels. Um, I'm just me. Um, you're, you know, mm -hmm. I, and everybody's an individual. They're themselves. I don't like labeling people and sticking people in boxes because yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think it's ever appropriate. And that's something when it comes to disability can be tough because um, there's a show it was on Netflix. Um, Gosh, what was that? It was I. I can't. Re I can't remember what it was called, um, but it was a uh, a gay man who had cerebral palsy. Oh, it was called Special. That was what it was called. It was called Special, and he wrote it, and it's it hit home about like really, really, really hard uh, about how living with a disability affects everything in your life. Yes. And and it really goes goes in full on with the intersectionality of of life. And you know, sure, disability is one thing, but it's not everything. And neither is you know the fact. Neither is being you know he's gay. And you know, there's all these other things. He's also a writer. Mm -hmm. you know, there's all these things that go into play, mm -hmm. and and they all connect. But yeah, if we don't look at a whole person that's you know going back to how you you know living authentically being your being showing up as your true self is the best way i think of really gaining access and getting into more places because if we show up as a whole person as who we are we're not hiding anything and right it's human nature to not trust something you know when we pick up on these those signals of which that person's hiding something. There's you know a reason to distrust them. If we show up authentically, we we're pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and unique and gorgeous. Like yes, 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 yeah, absolutely. And I I say I say it all the time. Disability can be your superpower. 
as well. Yep. I I there I, it I can do more things and if the power goes out, I'm good. People that yeah. you know, if it's not, I I can get around just fine. I'm not worried about it. I can cook. I can still clean. I can still read. I can still do all my stuff without any light on. Um, right. You know, and I'm a lot faster on a computer than most people. Why? Because I have to be. You know. Yes. Can, you know, we have when we lean into those things and we lean into the advantages that we do have uh it that you know as somebody who's a career and executive coach lean into your strengths i tell that to anybody absolutely and so yeah so that it, it uh yeah I, we could definitely do a part two on this one because you touched <laughs> i would love to have some conversations about some of that stuff but we're just about out of time um uh. And so uh, <laughs> I, I definitely would need to have you back on. That is for sure. That's for sure. Because uh, I could talk to you for hours. Yes, um, I know. Okay. And so, so where, can, um, where can people find out more about you and what you do and the work that you do if they, if they want to learn more about Dune on Trees? Oh, my gosh. Let's see. So I'm on diversitycrew.com. I think it's diversitycrew.com forward slash Montrese. And you can find out more information about me there and the disability inclusion work that I do. I am I'm also, I mean, I'm a full-time executive assistant. Um, but um, in terms of my writing, my writing can be found on Medium. I ironically do not have the url um but i can send that over to you if that yeah, might and i'll help. put it in the i'll put it in the description below if you send it over um yes that, that people can just you know if they want to you know find out more about you and the work you do with that that i think is critically important and uh, the organization Absolutely. that you know um they, they do some they do some awesome stuff uh, yes for sure and i'll also send over my linkedin as well please please reach out to me and connect with me on linkedin i'm a huge linkedin advocate Yep, yep, you are. I can. T- I know you are because I see you on there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and you know having this. Uh, I think an important conversation about uh, things that don't get enough attention in the in the realm of disability. Montrese, Montrese Hardy. Thank you so 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 much for coming on and being my guest today. Thank you so much, Ken. It was a pleasure. Likewise, likewise. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of the Dissing Liability Podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, certified professional coach and owner of Vitality Career Coaching. You can find me at vitalitycareercoaching.com. And please remember to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with anyone and everyone you know. And finally, remember to be kind to others and to yourself. Thanks for tuning in.